And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Uh, hopefully, you guys are having a great week. Lots to get to today. Lots lots to get to today. As always, I was joined by my good friend Jeremy Frankel from the Daily Wire. Um, he was on a he was on a, he had a hard out. He's uh, he called in from his um, lunch break at work, so he only had about 20 minutes or so. So it's a little bit shorter of an episode. I will make it up to you guys on Monday, I promise. Um, but we covered as much as we possibly could in 20 minutes. <laughs> Uh, Bernie Sanders, the socialist from Vermont, is running for president again. Um, you know, the Democrats are, are going crazy trying to out-socialist each other uh, in the primaries uh, for 2020. Uh, and we talk about uh, some some issues within the conservative movement that have uh, been a concern to both Jeremy and I for a long time. And it, it was a good chat. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, before I get to Jeremy, I need to say hi to our friends over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and you want to quit, you need to check out premier vapor they have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country they have any kind of battery mod tank coil anything you need for your vape setup they have um, they have physical locations in perrysburg and holland ohio if you're in the area check them out in person if not go to premier vapor and lounge.com that is premier vapor and lounge.com come on guys i know you probably already broke your uh, new year's resolutions uh, but if quitting smoking was one of them you know Get back on the horse. Start vaping. It's way better for you. Uh, PremierVaporAndLounge.com. Uh, if you haven't already, guys, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. We'd really appreciate that. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with Jeremy Frankel. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Jeremy Frankel. Jeremy, thanks so much for taking the time, brother. Thanks so much. Absolutely. So uh, let's just jump into the news of the day. 77-year-old socialist Bernie Sanders uh, officially announced that he's running for president again. Um, he's raised over $6 million in, in the first 24 hours of his campaign, which is kind of ironic, a socialist getting rich from consensual donations. Um, it is but, kind, uh, of, kind of funny. You yeah, know, so what do you make like, of this? What does is, what is Bernie jumping into the ring uh, mean for the Democratic field so far? Um, honestly, I don't think it means very much. I think that it's just going to be fun just watching who outlets each other. And the right. difference is, that people say that he has this not just because of name recognition and he has a lot of infrastructure from the last time he ran. But the thing is, the last time he ran, he, he was the only one that was an out-and-out communist. Socialist, but clearly, you know. That being said, now everybody is embracing this whole Green New Deal, um, Medicare for all, etc. And he's kind of irrelevant. He's kind of a has been. Right. You know th- that is interesting because you know Elizabeth Warren is also a socialist. Beto O'Rourke is also a socialist. Um, you know, not all the Democrats are, are open Marxist, but a handful of them are. Um, it almost reminds me of uh, the the two times Ron Paul. Um, ran for president in 2012. He he uh, did really really well, um, raised a ton of money. He came pretty close to winning some primary. Actually, I believe he did win a, a couple primaries. Um, and then when he ran in uh, in a 
Oh no, rather in 2008. And then when he ran in 2012, he uh, you know he just didn't regain the enthusiasm he had in 08. So do you think that's kind of he he missed his chance and he's not going to be able to you know the iron is no longer hot? Is that kind of your assessment? Well, I mean, it doesn't always work that way. Like, see, for example, Mitt Romney, 2008 versus 2012. That being said, yeah, he's 77 right now. I mean, yeah, like, he'll be, look he'll what... He'll be 79. Yeah, he'll be 70, look what 79 being, on election Look what day. being a president does to someone age-wise. I mean, if you look at a picture from Barack Obama in 2008 versus one now, it, it, it's like a 50-year difference. Yeah, if Bernie Sanders completed a four-year term as president, he would be 83. It's and, it's <laughs> not. I don't think you know, he he's, actually he's, thinks he's going to win either. I mean, yeah, you have to be is, delusional at a certain point. I mean, he's so old. And, like, personally, if I were him, what I would have done is I would have just thrown an endorsement into somebody um, that would be most like my views and rallied with them and helped them out and just contributed that way. But I think he's just muddying the waters. Right. I, I kind of assume the same thing, that Bernie would be the, the kingmaker, not the king, um, for the Democrats this time around. But, hey, man, Marxists really love power. <laughs> they, exactly. There's, there's nothing they want more than power. So that's all, all Bernie's wanted his entire life is power. And even though he's 77, I don't think he's uh, you know willing to, to hang up the gloves yet. Another interesting thing, too, the GOP treated Bernie with kid gloves in 2016. They used none of the oppo research they had on him because they just let him run wild and, and beat up Hillary Clinton. So he was, you know, he, they, they were totally fine with Bernie in, in 2016. It's not going to be that way this time around. They have a ton of opposition research. Obviously, the, the video that just resurfaced in the last few days that everybody's talking about where he was saying that, you know, bread lines are good. For some reason, and uh, the the weird poetry and stuff that he would write back in the 60s and 70s about like rape and stuff like that. There's a lot of really juicy oppo on Bernie, and uh, you know he's not going to be treated with kid kid gloves this time around. A question I have is why they would release it now, let them choose a nominee, and then let it all out. Right. Yeah. That that didn't make any sense to me at all. But... I have a feeling it's the Democrat primary opponents that are doing this it has right. to be yeah maybe yeah that it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it's coming from the harris camp or the warren camp something like that bernie has other issues too uh one he's been me tooed <laughs> obviously yeah. there was a, a handful so of women. Is, so is harris right right yeah well she's a woman though so she'll get away with it but i don't know if bernie can i mean there was uh staffers and interns and 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 people being sexually harassed on his 2016 campaign Seen with her in her in yeah. the attorney general's office. Yeah, but she's black and a woman, so I I, I doubt that. All they say that traction. about the whole intersectionality thing. Her and Cory Booker will eat each other alive. Oh yeah. If she were the yeah, oh, only yeah. one, maybe. I I see no advantage to her right now. So let's talk about how Bernie Sanders could be the nominee. I, it's going to be extremely difficult for a, a 77 year old white man to play ball in, in the current intersectional climate? Like, how does he overcome the fact that he's a, a straight white man? I mean, when he's running against a, a handful of women, uh, a, a lot of minorities, um, and like you said, his socialism isn't unique to to him like it was in, in 2016. So uh, how does he, to start with intersectionality, how does he attract those intersectional voters? I, I just don't he see prob- how he... He, pro- he probably doesn't, but that being said... He might be seen as the authentic one. That might be one thing he has going for him. 
Well, and I guess he'd be right. The other ones uh, seem to adopt the position out of um, out of convenience. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. I I think here's here's one just a thought experiment here. I think the only way Bernie could win the nomination, he's obviously going to outflank everybody to the left, even the other socialists. He's I think he's more radical. He's more of a, a communist than than even Elizabeth Warren is or Beto right. O'Rourke. Um, so he's going to outflank. I, I, maybe not, man. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody will try to out out socialism, Bernie. Who knows? I guess I, I wouldn't put it that. past him. I don't know how you do it. I don't know. Just, just skip the middleman and call for genocide. Yeah, I don't know. But um, exactly. he's gonna outflank everybody to the left. But the thing is, there's so many candidates running, similar to uh, the GOP in 2016. There's probably gonna be even more than there was in 2016. So Bernie could win some of these primaries with 20% of the vote because none of the other Democrats will. They'll all pull a John Kasich and refuse to drop out. Right. Could you see something like that happening where he, you know, I, I don't know what would happen. It would, it would probably lead to a, a brokered convention and super delegates and stuff like that. But I could see him like limping through the primaries, winning New Hampshire with, with 27% of the vote, you know, winning North it's Carolina. Very, it's with, it's, you know, very, like it's very possible. I... Honestly, I don't know because there are so many people running. I think even now there are more declared than the entire GOP field of last time. Which is insane. Which I could is... be wrong on that, but it, it's no, got to be close. I, it's got to be close. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's 20 to 25 declared candidates, you know, in in, the, in a month or so. Yeah. Um, so I know you're. Uh, we're running out of time. You have a, a hard out here. Jeremy's uh, calling in from his lunch break at work. So <laughs> I appreciate exactly. you, you taking the time, Jeremy. But uh, one more topic before I let you go. Um, something that that you and I and some of our friends have discussed a lot privately um, is who's truly to blame that the GOP has refused to govern like conservatives. They've refused to, you know, they all campaign as conservatives. They all do. But they don't really govern that way. You know, for instance, they refuse to cut spending, reform entitlements, stuff like that. I I think personally, and you've disagreed with me on this privately, but I think it comes down to the fact that the majority of GOP voters aren't actually conservatives. Like, America is still a very centrist country, which drives us all crazy. But I think that's just the fact of the matter. And we see a lot of people constantly complaining about you know mitch mcconnell constantly complaining about kevin mccarthy people like that because they aren't governing like conservatives when i think the blame actually lies with us like the commentators the writers the pundits because we haven't educated the electorate we haven't you know convinced the voters to elect conservatives you know so where, where do you fall on that so i'll i'll agree and disagree i i agree we have to keep messaging and messaging and messaging till the kingdom come no matter what, we have to do a better job at messaging, teaching, not demagoguing, but, you know, explaining, just showing by example. That being said, if it had to do with the electorate not being conservative, they wouldn't campaign as conservatives. You'd actually probably see the opposite. You'd see like a Ted Cruz or Mike Lee be more moderate. And those kind of people never win. Like, look, for example, Mitt Romney and John McCain, when they ran as a Democrat light, they no one was excited for them. Most of the most of the people who lost their house seats this past time were rhinos, except maybe Dave Bratt, and I think there was uh, maybe a few others. I I see a lot. I see this a lot in Ohio because I, I do live in a, a swing state. Uh, actually, Ohio really hasn't been much of a swing state lately, thank God. Yeah, you but, seem um, to be going more red, actually. Right, right. Um, 
But conservatives that run statewide don't do very well in Ohio. We saw Mike DeWine, who I think will be a, a, a good governor, uh, win the governorship. Out of the four people that ran for governor on the GOP side, he was the least conservative out of the four. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what happens. Like, let's well, just he, say, was back by, he was backed by the money. Well, he was, but also, in especially Swiss. Yeah, but Ohio is also a very moderate state. And, you know, I, I believe, let's say, you know, let's take our, our Kentucky senators, Mitch McConnell and, and Rand Paul. If they were both in Ohio and they ran for the same time for the, you know, Republican nomination for, for the Senate, McConnell trucks, trucks Paul. He trucks him. Because that's just the kind of people that Ohioans vote for. They always vote for the moderate, the center-left, center-right guy. The thing is, it's not that. I just don't think he has any principles. I think he's all about himself. That's what I think most of these moderates are about. And again, this is not just him. This is a lot of these people in leadership. That's how they get there. They're all about their own, um, you know, their own meritocracy and them um, gaining more power. And again, I'm not trying to say that cynically. I'm not even trying to say that as a criticism. I mean, that's just what people generally do. It's human nature. But it yeah, does I, come from a lack of principle. I do agree with that. I'm not saying Mitch McConnell's the most principled no, know, no, conservative out there. I don't, I, I don't think he's principled at all. I, again, I'm, not, I'm just stating a fact. I'm not even saying that it's an insult. But going back to, to my point on the electorate, and let me know, you might disagree with this, but you know, Trump was praised by people on both sides of the aisle for saying he wasn't going to touch welfare. He was not going to reform entitlements. Because people don't but, like their free stuff getting taken away. It's exactly, sad but true. With that exactly. something, that's where that's where you and I step in. Right, and that like, I, I, yeah, you, you answered my my question for me. But you know, like, what would happen if you know Paul Ryan actually got his way and they reformed entitlements? I think there'd be a backlash from the from GOP voters. Not just Democrats. Like I, I don't think probably not if they messaged it well. If you and Maybe. I messaged it at that time and cheered it on. But how do you, in today's climate, like Calvin Coolidge and Warren G. Harding, before him, messaged that right? I mean, they said we are going to cut spending, <laughs> you know, and they explained it in a way that got the American people behind them. I don't know if there's anybody right now that could actually that can handle that, that can message it in a way that's palatable to even, I mean, forget the Democrats and the independents. I don't even know if that's palatable for Republicans right now. I just don't understand why not. Like, like it doesn't get a speaking coach. If somebody, for example, Paul Ryan leaving Congress anyway, nothing to lose. Why not just, uh, you know, pass up a chance to sell us out again? Why not? You have nothing to lose. What do you care? Paul Ryan again, it's just, entitlement again, reform it's an, his entire it's just an career. Example. No, uh, no, yeah, know, exactly. That's he, actually, he, so that's not an example. It, then that's just him personally. He that, that's what he stood for most of the time. He used he to never be came he used, close. He, he used to be one of us, but he just never had the support from from the from the electorate. He didn't. I'm have sure if he from, tried, if he actually tried, instead of paying lip service, he would have gotten it. There's no doubt in my mind. Maybe. I, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. And I hope at least from you and me and people who yeah. are actually conservatives. So what but there's a reason do? why his, his liberty score was was on, on conservative review was, I think, in the 40s when he left. What how do we get from point A to point B? That, that That's the bottom line for me. And, and not that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and Paul Ryan and these guys 
are without blame. I mean, they obviously, I mean, they're elected officials. We should criticize them when when they don't, you know, fulfill their campaign promises and stuff like that. I have, I have no problem with it. But it seems like the tactic from people like us, people on the right, actual principal conservatives, is just to bitch and moan about them. So and it's driving it's driving me absolutely crazy. You know this, Jeremy. Trust me, it drives I'm, me I'm, absolutely I'm, nuts. I'm the same way. I I I I hate putting out. I hate doing it unless I really have to. Like. I, I hate when people bitch and moan without any plan. It's just uh, it's just venting, and unless you're like my wife or somebody like that, I don't care. Um, <laughs> that being said, I think what we got to do is we just got to keep hammering, and we got to honestly just stop sharing these stupid cocaine niche memes. Like he's not a rebel, he's not a he's not a badass. He's just you know it, it, again, it's an example. It's just a low hanging fruit example, but like. You can't blame Trump for being unprincipled and then back people like that. It's just it doesn't work. You sound like a fraud. Right. I think a a good example of this, too, is a lot of like the never Trumpers, you know, people, uh, you know, at National Review, which I really like National Review and, you know, people at, you know, the the former Weekly Standard and and people like that. They were so pissed off that uh, that people voted for Trump. And they didn't realize that people voted for Trump because their message failed. I mean, mm-hmm. they, Ted Ted Cruz was running for president, a constitutional, principled conservative. The electorate rejected him and voted for Trump. Why? Because National Review the thing is, failed. The, the Daily Wire he failed. Was, I failed. Cruz was, and the so thing is, we were, Cruz was we not their guy. Right. As far as I know, Cruz was not their guy. On, and honestly, if you're if you're a conservative and hate Trump and you didn't back Cruz, uh, you have no excuse. To, you have no leg to stand on. If you back like a Jeb and then complain about principles, I'm sorry, you're out. <laughs> I agree with that, but I, unless, I unless you offer fall... something substantive. Right, right. No, I, I totally agree with that. I I just don't want to fall into the same trap as like the, what the Never Trumpers fell into, where they you know these people aren't voting the w- the way you want. We need to look in the mirror too. Like we need to realize that we have not. No, I been... do. I do hear that. I, I agree. I do agree. I, I don't. I don't believe in pearl clutching. I do think that like when you see like a lot of these people, and uh, again, a lot of these people are people I like, so I'm not going to name names. But like you right, see right. a same, lot. Same here. Same here. A lot of people like they they start writing now for like New York Times and like um, these other liberal publications, and like what is the point uh, to get yourself liked? On the other side, you're never going to be liked, and now you're just going to be hated. And now everybody, you know, now now conservative messaging is going to be this milk toast. Everybody on the right sucks, you know. Like basically, and I, Steve Dakes makes this point a lot. The one person, the one group that the GOP hates more than the Democrats is us. I think that's taking it a little too far. I, I hate to say it. I, I I haven't seen anything on the contrary. I, I'd love to be wrong, but I don't see it. The yeah, one thing the I smart mean, set hates more than them is us. One more thing before I let you go. Um, we were uh, we were discussing how, how terrible this uh, this spending bill is that funded the government, you know, through uh, through October 1st. There's a lot of uh, quote unquote poison pills in there. Uh, one, why the hell did we start saying poison pills? And two, can we come up with a new term? Because I don't like that term. Um, cyanide. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bear traps. <laughs> I, I, can, I can go with I can go with bear traps. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Uh, 
you know, um, paying homage to your Midwestern, uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking what else, I don't know, uh, yeah, it's I, just, yeah, it's just it's weird, over, like it secret is language. It is it's an like overused this... term, like bombshells and like things like that. Like I hate when people say things like that. It's annoying, but like I, I just use it for no other work because I have no other word for it. Right. It, it see, it reminds me of like church speak because I've grown up in the church my whole life, where like you have this like secret language almost. I don't know if I don't know if the Jews have it in the synagogue as well, but like uh, you know, at least on, on the Protestant side, there's all these like cheesy terms that we use all the time where if you were talking to somebody that's not a Christian they would have no idea what the hell you're talking about I feel like politico types politico types do the exact same thing man like we speak in this weird code that the average American would have no idea what the heck we're talking about I'd be shocked (laughs) if we don't have if we Jews don't have more (laughs) (laughs) well you've had you've had longer you've had a longer history to come up with these things so yeah (laughs) that's true all right, Jeremy, I know i got to let you go. Where can everybody find you online? All right. uh, where can everybody read your stuff and all, all that good stuff? Uh, I'm at The Daily Wire. My Twitter handle is at Frankel Jeremy, so it's my last name and first name. And, yeah, I'm around. All right, everybody follow Jeremy. He's great. Everybody check out uh, dailywire.com, obviously a great site. Uh, that's all i got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Uh-huh.